I always have a few tricks up my sleeve. The treats are somewhere else. <laughs> I may write for a living, but I still can't write a goddamn Real Housewives tagline. <laughs> I'll always use my words, writer girl. Oh, you guys, short and sweet. Just It's the opposite in length, I think, of this conversation, which I'm extremely into. Uh, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode five something or other. Leave me alone. And I'm so excited for two return guests who have certainly been on my mind. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Variety's editor and chief Kate Arthur, and Louis Staples, writer and housewives anthropologist Kate and Louis. Thanks so much for coming back. Thanks for having me. You gave me a promotion too. My title is editor at large. So what did I say? Did I say editor in chief? <laughs> you did. Yes. Okay. Which thank. You know what? And I just confirmed. It. Well, you just you're, fact checked. You're it. my <laughs> editor in chief. You are the people's people's editor-in-chief. So Variety, if you're listening, maybe don't listen just because I don't know what I'm about to say. But <laughs> you know what, Kate? It's one of those days. I got a case of the Mondays, okay? And it's, in fact, not Monday. <laughs> I, I love a Friday with a case of the Mondays. So you're you're good. You're good. Um, so first off, I have so many questions for you. I do just want to note for um, any non-Patreon AGs that there is a two-part, nearly three-hour AG Patreon up now, which includes a Reading Rainbow episode where I read both of your pieces and give some kind of like Speed Demon style analysis. It was one of the most... It, it was one of the most fun episodes that I have recorded because genuinely going from like Kate, Heather, Kate, Heather, Louie, Monica, Louie, Mon it was just like, it was delightful. And that has everything to do with both of your voices. So if you haven't read Kate's exclusive interview with Heather and Andrew Cohen and members of production up on Variety or making a scene, I would highly encourage that you read and listen, read and watch and listen, and Louie's exclusive interview with Monica up on New York Magazine, The Cut, highly, was it The Cut or Vulture? It was Vulture. No, it's The Cut. It was The Cut. Okay, great. I would, I did, <laughs> doing so great so far. <laughs> 100% today. I would highly recommend reading as well. I'm going to include links to both in the show notes for this episode. And if you want to hear me read them, you can go to the Andy's Girls Patreon. Um, so I do just want to congratulate both of you because the work that you did in your interviewing and your reporting was excellent. I do want to ask just to start how these interviews came to be. Kate, can we kind of start with you, the bringing together of all of this also because yours was like multimedia. Right. Um, oh, well, first of all, thank you for your kind words. Um, uh, so I um, got a sense of what was, I mean, we all knew something was coming in the finale having watched the cold open of the season. And, and so once they started talking about the Instagram stuff, um, once they got to Bermuda uh, with the DMs and all of that, I, I put in a request um, to do a, a post-mortem interview with Heather Gay, um, pegged to the finale, 
But because of the holidays, I just wasn't going to be able to get the finale on time since it was it was um, premiering on January 2nd. And I would have had to talk to her before Christmas and it just wasn't possible. Um, but uh, but the show publicist at Bravo, um, who is great, was like, um, let's talk about doing something during the reunions because it's going to be really crazy. Um, and um, and so I uh, once I got the screener of the finale, I was like gasping, shouting to no one, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and, you know, I immediately was like this is crazy. I need to talk to her. Let's figure like, and, and once they said it was a three part reunion, I was like, I bet part three is the one. And then we just started going from there. And then we had done a making a scene video with, um, Vanderpump rules with, the uh, with the last five minutes of, um, that reunion and, um, and gotten, uh, producers and Sheena and uh and Andy Cohen for that and so they Bravo was familiar with that format and so we did the same thing um for part 3 of this reunion it was kind of a fudging of a scene given that it was basically two separate episodes but um but it was you know it was Lisa Shannon and Lori Gordon who were executive producers, Lori Gordon's the showrunner, Andy and Heather Gay. So, and then I, anyway, t- that's a long way of saying it was just in the works as of, uh, before the holidays, but then, yeah. And it was, at, but, and, you know, the video it really came down to the last minute. Um, but it was, I thought it, I, I was very pleased with how it turned out. And, the you know, we tried to answer the big question, like, what did production know and when did they know it? Um, and lots of burning questions for Heather as well. And Louis, for you, how did your interview with Monica come together? So, um, I don't know about you, Kate, but this finale like aired at the most annoying time because it was right at the start of the year and I don't know about you guys but before Christmas I'm always like extremely busy and just like trying to get all my work for that year just signed off and done so I can take a break um so honestly it wasn't as on my radar as it should have been despite the fact that we knew this big uh I heard the finale was incredible from people that seen it and that there was this um kind of twist uh teased but I didn't know that it was going to be as Vontees as it turned out to be. So, um, uh, like Kate, I saw the finale and was like, wow, okay, so need to do something about this then. Um, and I thought it just kicked off the year in reality TV in such an amazing way. And I, ironically, I wrote this post-mortem essay of 20, like the year in Bravo for last year. And it sort of ended on a note of, um, how could they possibly top 2023? And <laughs> this happened on like the second day of 2024. So, I mean, they obviously kept that, you know, for the next year. But so I thought we have to do something on it. I have to do something on it. Um, so I reached out to the cut, my editor at the cut, who like I've worked on, on a lot of amazing um, sort of like reported pieces and like they're really great to work with and are really like have a really interesting mindset when it comes to Bravo and things like that. So we started talking about things we could do and they actually suggested doing something like a behind the scenes from production perspective of Bermuda, which is um, 
such a good idea that Kate ended up writing with Variety. And um, I reached out to Bravo, the PR person there, who's great. And they said, full transparency, you know, there's actually one in the works already. And I thought, I have an inkling who's writing <laughs> who's writing that one. <laughs> I thought, there's no point in doing something similar because Kate will do the best version of that piece that needs to be done. So then they were like, "What is there anything else we could work on together? And I said, well, for me, the holy grail would be speaking to Monica. And they said, Monica's not doing interviews right now. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. And I said, um okay, but if you could just pass this on to her. So I sort of wrote a little like sales pitch from me, me as the, as the interviewer being like, nice. You know, I'm a fan of the show. I'm really not tribal with like sides and things like that. I'm really not going to like try to, you know, demonize her. I'm just interested in her experience of doing the show and of, you know, I'm team the show, you know, I'm team the medium. So, um, so then I didn't hear anything back. And then a few days later, they got in touch to say she changed her mind. Um, which I was like, okay, great. So all systems go. And then very dramatically doing to, um, certain announcements that were made, uh, they ended up bringing the timeline dramatically forward. So it was like, can you speak to her today? So, um, ended up speaking to her, um, before the finale had aired, but, um, the, the final part of the reunion, sorry, before the final part of the reunion had aired, but, um, uh, after, before we, it was before her announcement that she wasn't coming back was made public a few hours before that. Um, and it, I had seen the reunion third episode, but the people, the public had not seen it. It was airing that night. So it was like, as you, as you can remember, those two things happened like within hours of each other. So it was like earlier on that day. What did you think of the timing of the announcement that Monica was leaving, which came out, if I remember correctly it came out in the hours before part three aired for all of us watching at home and to me was slightly reminiscent of carol radziwill's uh i am leaving the real housewives it felt like a lit which which came out publicly at a time before the season had finished before the reunions had finished it feels like a little bit of a fuck you to the network i would assume that the network would not want someone who's being so talked about in the episode currently airing to announce that they're leaving because one could, you know, think that maybe a little bit of the air is leaving the balloon as a result. What was your reaction to that timing? Do you think that was a Bravo decision or a Monica decision? Kate? If I may, um, because that was supposed to be our news to break um, when we did, <laughs> when we no, no. When we did the making a scene, when we did the making a scene um, and I interviewed, um, you know, Lisa and Lori and then uh, two days later, Andy, I said to them and I'd warned the publicist, I said, I'm going to be I've heard that Monica's not coming back. Yeah. I'd heard that already. Um, and uh, and so I'm going to be asking them this question and I would really love it if they actually answered honestly um and that we broke this news and so uh so and i when i posed the question to them for the video i said you know this is going to come out after the third reunion airs so please just be as forthcoming as as you possibly can and they answered honestly and and what their honest answer was then um was that uh, she won't be coming back. The women need a minute. Um, everyone needs a minute. Like, uh, and 
you know, but never say never. Like they didn't close the door on her at all. Um, and and then Dave Quinn, you know, uh, gets, you know, who's obviously hugely well-sourced with Bravo um, and The Real Housewives, having written the book on it. Like he he scooped us a few hours before um, the reunion aired, as you say. And I was, you know, both annoyed and relieved because the way like it was like, please don't put this in the headline that she's fired, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, now the pressure's off. Like we can just concentrate on the whole story and not have, um, not have it be, uh, not have Bravo yelling at me about how, however I framed it, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway, why, why are you puzzled? What's your puzzled face? Me? Doing. Yeah. Yes. I just think Bravo is very tight with uh with scoop, which often means that when scoop comes out, it's not because it was within Bravo's control. So my assumption is that if Bravo had an exclusive with you, they were doing their level best not to ensure that that would be an exclusive, which means I don't know, somebody who was I don't know, maybe not available for comment or something may have uh enabled that news to come out or maybe somebody else who just wanted to say fuck you to that person i mean it just that's that is it, it's sort of an irony that after everybody was able to keep the actual finale secret uh yeah. on the dl that of course the news that monica was fired would not be able to be that that pandora's box was was opened I mean, Andy, I loved it, but wrongly credited us on Watch What Happens Live. He was like, Variety's broken the news that Monica's on pause um, to he when to Heather. And I was like, yes. And it's not really true. But, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, thrilled to get the credit despite, you know, but I don't know. Who knows? Dave Quinn r literally wrote the book on Housewives. So who knows how many sources he has within the network within shed within you know within the cast you know that book was also controlled though by bravo sure because it was published right. by andy cohen's book so the person driving that train was actually the the train it's it was like the conductor of the train it was you know what i'm saying like not to take away from the book but to say that if andy is crediting you my assumption would be and i think this is a compliment that andy's actually trying to restore credit to the purpose the person who was supposed to be the 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 uh the author of the news i i would assume that if that was an accident that it, i it sounds like it was that it was p potentially strategic and yeah kudos to him for that honestly my view on it is and look i love working with bravo on different pieces and interviews and things like that um but yeah i i, I kind of think that things don't happen they're always one step ahead i just think they know what's what and they know what's what's going down and um from my perspective, the the like dramatic moving forward of my interview with Monica by 24 hours um, was indicative of obviously knowing that the story was was about to break. And um, uh, obviously, I would have asked her a lot of questions about her exit from the show had we spoken the next day. So um, it was a little bit frustrating in some ways that um, the interview I asked her a lot of questions about you know her po the possibility of her not returning and if she were not to return what why would that be and things like that 
in my interview, but I didn't know when I spoke to her that she wasn't returning for sure. So for me, um, it was an exclusive after the um, after the reunion. I was the first person to speak to her, but I wasn't the first person to speak to her after the news broke of her um, her being on pause, not returning for the next season, shall we call it? Um, so um, yeah, that was a little bit frustrating from my perspective, but I still think that we got to cover some really interesting topics in the chat. You definitely did. Totally. And Louis, I do have to say the way that the piece ended with like, I thought it was a very dramatic. It was a fabulous ending of like, just just so we know <laughs> if something <laughs> happens, it's like that. that like, right. I'm not like a ransom note, but like if something happens to me, <laughs> this is like who you should suspect. I mean, there was something very dramatic. I loved the ending of like if some if if I if I don't return, it's not because of my yeah. doing I've interviewed enough housewives to know that like you don't really ever get a straight answer to the question of like are you returning or are you not because realistically it's most often Bravo that decides that housewife isn't returning to the show not not so often the other way around although there have been as we know notable exception um so I kind of wanted to I knew that I wouldn't get an answer yes or no answer from her um but I wanted to yeah ask her about if she were not to return <laughs> what those reasons would be um because uh, it's one of the big questions, you know, even going into the re reunion, I think you mentioned this in your interview with Heather, Kate, that the sort of big question of the reunion was, for me anyway, will she be able to turn this around, get someone on side, like, or explain this in a way that makes sense to not only her castmates, but the audience as well, to restore some trust on either side, like the audience's side and her cast. Would she be able to do that? Um, and if she couldn't, the outcome would likely be that she would not return. So we now know the answer to that question, but I sort of wanted to ask her that because one of the big things that the fans and everyone has been discussing is the woman refusing to film with her or saying they don't want to film with her anymore. And also this kind of question of can Bravo really say that it's standing up against social media trolling and things like that if they're then paying this woman to be on a cast with people that she's trolled and they're also saying they don't want to film with her, is that what sort of position does that put the network in? And I think that Heather and Lisa both kind of alluded to that at the reunion when they were sort of suggesting that Bravo had brought her on and all these other things. So I I thought that was an interesting thing to get at. And yeah, you're right. It did end in a very dramatic, like soap opera style cliffhanger at the end there. And then when the news broke, I was like, well, there's the answer to the question. No, I'm looking at it now. It's so good. It's it's actually kind of perfect. I'm, you know, I mean, obviously you would have wanted to get her perspective on not coming back, um, like for sure, which she surely knew when you were speaking with her. Um, but um, it it's pretty great the way it is. So, well, thank you. Um, I want to know, Kate, how long did you speak to Heather for when you spoke to her? Which is such a boring question, but I'm always fascinated by like the level of like the length of conversation that people have with their interview subjects. Like, I'd love to know, um, yeah, like how long, cause there's a long, there's a lot of answers in your quest in your, um, interview that like, I'd love to know which, um, and I'm sure there was some agonizing, agonizing cuts. Um, but I'd love to know how long you spoke for. It, it's actually the longest thing I've ever published on variety. <laughs> like the, my longest piece ever on at variety is an interview with Heather Gay. Um, I think it's like, it tops like, 6,000 words, which I was just like, I just, I, this is for the fans. So, you know, I, I do believe that people have it in them to read through this. And it, it's like, if I'm interested in this answer, then 
I assume other people who follow Bravo and who love The Real Housewives will be. So like I was just like letting it fly basically. But um, it was probably uh, an hour. Um, and the tricky part of editing it down um, was it was it was the interview for the making a scene at which the format of that is confessional style where they're incorporating my question into the answer you don't hear me on the video so um you know i had to make her answers seem less stilted um but and repetitive but um but yeah she luckily it was the sundance film festival and our video team was in park city so she was able to drive from salt lake city to uh you know the 40 minutes to park city to be in person and then i was on zoom um and uh otherwise we wouldn't have done a zoom interview with her for this format um but it the coincidental timing was fantastic and worked in our favor and Louis, for you, how much time did you have with Monica? Uh, I had half an hour. And but then we did go a little bit over with Monica's blessing. It so I think it was I think it was like ended up as about around 38 minutes or something like that. So it wasn't it wasn't a huge length of time. But I had with that in mind, I had to really think about what to ask her. And I had this whole kind of like, I mean, this might be really boring, but I had these kind of two question lists of like essential questions and then kind of backup questions, because you never really know you'll know this, Kate, like how quickly someone speaks. Sometimes people give these really long rambling answers like me, but sometimes people are very short and precise. Like Lala Kent, when I spoke to her, it was like, she was like, boom, 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 next question. I think when I interviewed her, it was like 30 questions in 30 minutes I managed to get through. It was crazy. Um, but so I had these kind of two lists of questions and then it's always like, what don't you ask someone about? And I kind of made the decision that I didn't really want to get into the like minutia of the minutia about reality von Tees. I kind of felt like if she wasn't able to give a hugely succinct, um, like coherent explanation that like sort of chimed with any sort of form of, I don't know, truth or whatever at the reunion when she had a quite a long time, I, as you mentioned in your interview with Heather Kate, she had a long time to think of a sort of story for, for this whole situation. I sort of felt like I didn't want to get too into like, who was posting, who was doing this, because I just also felt a little bit fatigued by it by that point personally as a viewer. Um, and I kind of thought what was more interesting with her is that this story had become so big and that she was, as as we discussed, someone who had worked her way onto the show, was a fan, um, and then had become this sort of huge villain slash hero to some people. I was more, I was interested in kind of getting into the experience of that rather than sort of who posted what about who because I honestly just sort of felt like that felt a little bit incon inconsequential at the point that I was speaking to her um so that's why because you know when Kate when you do these interviews people are always like why don't you ask about this why don't you ask about this yeah and lots of things I could have asked her about like the drive-by the FBI like all that stuff but I honestly kind of made the call that I didn't think I was going to get any like a great response to those questions so I chose to speak about other things yeah my one regret about um I I was I I had gotten the the final episode of the reunion like an like two hours before I was interviewing Lisa and Lori and I was like oh my god I I already had questions for them that were not about the specifics of the reunion about the finale and everything but I I had to really like watch that quickly and work with the producer and the creator of the format this woman Meredith Warner. Um, 
And I one thing I missed in that first viewing was the hilarious um, when they're laughing about uh, the idea that um, the F- FBI had deputized Monica to stalk Jen Shaw, <laughs> catch her drunk driving. And I kind of wish I'd asked about that moment uh, during the reunion, uh, like just how how much they were laughing about it, because it really is. When I watched it that night on the the night of the twenty third, I was like, "Oh my god, that was a real moment!" And I totally blew asking anything about it because it's so funny when they're all laughing, like, like <laughs> it's just so ludicrous. Like, and I just, I you know, I do wonder how that felt for her but you know like i don't know i mean she just that silliness is something that i i just i didn't ask and i regret not asking about i think if you look that moment is such a key moment i think that it's possibly the moment where it all really seemed like it had fallen apart for me for her because i think when you become a kind of like a joke to like it was just so it was so ridiculous. Even as a viewer, I was like, "What?" And like, I think when you become this kind of like, when everyone's just sort of laughing, it's it was so they so weren't scared of her at all. Like it was just so like the moment where it all kind of like the facade kind of crumbled. I think for me, and I do think that there's this kind of sadness there. I think that like I interviewed Alex Baskin a while ago for um a separate piece about returning housewives, and um he was sort of saying that. Um, we all hope for redemption from people that we watch on reality TV. And because I was asking about the concept of sort of like a redemption season and a redemption arc for wives that come back or have a bad season the previous season. Um, And he basically said that, yeah, we all hope for redemption. um, But sometimes, you know, people don't seize that moment when it's in front of them. And I think that this is kind of one of those situations, isn't it, where that was the moment, the reunion was the moment to try and just leave the door open like a teeny tiny little sliver to something that resembled reconciliation in the future. And it just seemed like that was the moment where it became impossible, I think. That was also, to me, a little bit of the difficulty in aspects of some of her answers to you, Louie, because it felt like her narrative was, I came to the reunion hat in hand. Like, I I did offer grace, and they didn't return it to me. And I'm thinking, sweetie, that did happen. That happened at the tail end, is it possible that over the course of however many hours they were shooting, seven or eight or nine hours, that maybe she did it more? I mean, anything is in life is possible. But what I felt as a viewer watching it was like she was, for her own reasons, some of which are understandable, was actively mocking every response and trying to invalidate a lot of the women's feelings. So I, I do kind of wonder for Monica's sake what she thought her goal was in going into the reunion and like what performance was required for that. Right. And I think that it basically, I mean, in the interview I asked her, like I, it seemed like they wanted you to say something along the lines of, I'm sorry for the parts of the account that hurt you, even though I didn't post any of them. I understand that I'm still responsible for my involvement in it. And I'm really sorry. And it really seemed like Andy in particular was like practically like trying to put those words in her mouth, like at the reunion and that she still couldn't get there, which I did understand that she was in the heat of the moment as she kept saying, you know, that she was being beat up up for 12 hours and all the rest of it. So I wanted to give her an opportunity to say if she really felt it in the interview. And I mean, she did say to me that she wanted 
that she wants to apologize. Um, and that I think her response to me was essentially that she didn't feel able to at the reunion and she felt like it would have been a fake apology, but now she would like to apologize. So that was the first time I'd ever heard her say at all that she wanted to apologize to any of them. Um, but yeah, her narrative, well, when she spoke to me, it did definitely seem like she still felt quite aggrieved by the whole thing and that she um she definitely felt like a victim in the at the at the reunion reunion um and i think yeah that that line between victim and villain is so thin isn't it in reality television and um we've seen monica be i mean the question who is monica garcia we've seen her with her mom and we've seen so many other situations where i do think she is a victim and then here she's sort of grappling with being seen as the the villain and perpetrator but i don't think she's necessarily capable of that i think that she still she seems to center herself as a victim in most situations um and i don't know how conducive that is to moving forward with these people that feel like they've been victimized by her kate what's your reaction to that um i completely agree and i i just think that if she was saying that she did feel like she apologized like i don't i mean they use the word grace so much, these people. I don't know if it's the Mormon upbringing or whatever, but like just to use their terminology, I'm not sure if Monica knows what grace looks like, given what we've seen of her with her mother, her with her grandmother. I don't know if that's been modeled for her. Um, and, you know, it, there's such a darkness in her life as we you know when the video um of her and her mother screaming at each other came out the night of the finale i think or the next morning um and her kids are walking around maybe her kid is even the one filming it it's just like it's so generational trauma to me in this way not to like overly aggrandize the situation but it's just like i don't I mean, Heather called her stunted, and I, I think she is. Um, and it's also just like, I don't believe a word that comes out of her mouth. Like, Louie, when she said to you that she, that that wasn't the casting email that she sent, I'm like, I don't believe you, babe. You know, like, I don't, I don't believe anything you say. And every single thing that she asserted, they were able to prove was wrong. Um, you know, she didn't stalk Jen. She didn't access the security f footage um, in Jen's house, which is maybe we'll talk about that. And it's like one of the creepiest things anyone has ever done on, you know, on Bravo. Um, and but I, I just think she's a, ultimately a very sad person and I feel sad for her. Um, but I, I, I also completely understand why they can't move forward with her. And just one last thing. Um, uh, Whitney was on the Nick Vile podcast. And I haven't gotten to listen to the whole thing because it's so goddamn long. But um, uh, no offense to no offense no, to long podcast, so Sarah. it's so fucking long. I have no idea. My podcasts are five to seven minutes. I got to tell you. But Whitney said that she came, came, I mean, of all of them, Whitney came into the reunion with an open-mindedness um, thinking that let, she wanted to hear Monica out and she d didn't hear anything that convinced her otherwise. Um, and so, you know, and she, she said to, she said 
I, I don't I totally miss this and I don't even know whether it's on the reunion, but she said on the Nick podcast that she said to Monica at a certain point, it was like with the texts with Tanisha that were exposed. Um that's where you lost me because she had no explanation for the horrible things she was saying to Tanisha about the women and I guess specifically Whitney. And I I haven't done a dive into those texts, but so I don't know exactly what she's talking about, but I guess it was during the filming. Um, So, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, she does seem incapable of apologizing and, her idea of a fake apology might just be what other people call apologizing, you know, and 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 feeling remorse, which she doesn't seem to feel. Well, I think it also gets into the idea of truth. And I think Monica is putting truth at like the highest possible like platform here of if it does not feel honest to me, then I I should not be forced to say it. Or I just am at a like from a moral perspective too, like I just won't do it. Even even if I will suffer consequences as a result, I won't do it. I need to be honest. And I think of some of her other answers at the reunion and I'm like, I don't know, like the FBI, some of this other stuff, like saying that you have every right to access the security footage because you have access to the security footage, saying that that you didn't behave in certain ways, that you didn't say certain things about Mary, and then we have voice notes. And it's 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 tough because honesty, I guess, is in the eye of the beholder. And at certain points, she just neglected to see. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Ofs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I think the apology thing is like, crucial to the whole situation as well, where she, you know, she makes this equivalence between Heather lying about the black eye and what she's done, which is a sort of thing that on Housewives Twitter or X, as it's now called, um, that a lot of her defenders have been using that as a sort of uh, a, a counter narrative. But the thing that then does all of that is that Heather gave a full, long, what I perceive to be very genuine and kind of gut-wrenching apology for all of that you know she apologized to the cast the fans the producers andy everyone about lying about the black eye um in a way that i felt like there was a lot more accountability i didn't really love during the whole bermuda moment when she sort of was saying i had to lie for her on my book tour i had to do this i had to do that i i thought for me i thought that was a little bit avoiding accountability like no one forced you to do that you made a choice um but I liked the way they delved into why she made those choices. And um, I really think that she had an explanation that made sense to not only the other women on the, at the reunion, but to us as well. So I think that you can forgive when someone's actually apologizing. So the, the equivalence between the black eye and all the stuff she's done, sure, if you want to make that equivalence, but Heather has apologized in a full way and gain, regained the trust of the other women in the cast through doing so. So... I just think that the apology is very crucial. And yet, 
while that was, I think, a genuine apology, it was incomplete. I mean, Andy, Heather was still attempting to argue that what she was saying about production involvement and what she was saying on her book tour, which were not in any way communicated as theories, her spin about that as the reunion was, and this is the most positive way to look at it, incomplete. You could, uh, one could also argue it was strategic or manipulative that she had an understanding, as most people do on the reunion couch, when everybody is trying to spin some aspect of their lives. Her just had hers just had much higher real world stakes for the people that she chose to involve in this. I, while I want to give her credit, I also feel that some of that credit took a certain level of cajoling from Andy to reset even just her insinuations about production involvement. He didn't go near the cast involvement, which to me was a huge, methodical, consistent fuck up on her part. I had missed the things she said on her book tour about the black eye. Um, I hadn't I hadn't seen any of those. And I I have to say, I mean, not to make any excuses for Heather, it's she's a she can very well defend herself. But um I feel like if you're doing a book reading, you might be feeling like this is a more private, intimate space. And anything I say here in front of these 30 people or whoever it is who show up at this Barnes and Noble, wherever. Um like, I don't think she necessarily thought that those things were going to become part of a narrative. Um, but you're you're tilting your head, Sarah. Because it was it wasn't in small bookstores. It was in large auditoriums. And oh, she was, okay, it was, okay. she was quite literally sitting on stages in like, I think a synagogue, too, like in in large spaces talking to people. And I actually disagree. I think the point of what she was saying was in the hopes that it would get picked up. I don't think she was thinking this is a really? sacred, sacred space between me and several hundred people. I see. I think okay. she thinks when I open my mouth, I have every awareness that people are going to talk about about it, which is why I'm saying it. Mm. God, that is a mess. Um, I mean, is. but at this at the same time, I I I feel as you know, as Louise said, I feel like she did apologize, and I think she, I mean, even though she and Whitney aren't completely aligned anymore, on uh, Whitney seems to have you know say she, Heather is a different person from how she was a year ago and she's really changed and grown. So, um, and, you know, Whitney came over to her after the addressing Jen at the reunion and, you know, and that's not something that Whitney would necessarily readily do given where they were at the previous reunion and at different times. But, um, you know, I don't know if, if the cast and production can forgive her knowing what they know, then I, I don't I mean I, the fact that Monica holds this up as something that like Jen did so many things wrong um Heather did Heather lied about the black eye it's like you know if you don't see the difference Monica between what those things are Jen is literally in prison right now she is suffering the co consequences of her decisions so and, you know, won't be coming back to the show. Um, like, I don't really, Monica doesn't seem to know right from wrong, you know, on a on a deep level to me. But to the other women? 
Do they know right from wrong? Yeah, I mean, they now know right from wrong. And it feels like the barometer here is Monica versus Jen. Like at the point in which Jen should have been in the hot seat, even if she wasn't quite literally seated because she had some other things going on. Yeah. Was the cast as aware of the 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 measurement of right and wrong then? I mean, they're saying now we we didn't have the ability to recognize that within ourselves or certainly communicated it communicate it because we were like fucking terrified of her. Yeah. But that is also that's to me sort of totally valid. And I like hold that. But I also hold the idea of like, okay, well, now we're doing a total reset, but we're not giving any gray area to Monica in this. We're going completely on the other side. We gave all of the gray to to Jen and all of the quiet to Jen. She took all of it in the universe. And now we're doing a drastic reset because we've learned our lesson. Like it it is... um, it's not that I disagree with it. It's just it's interesting timing. It's interesting that like Monica has the least amount of power in that dynamic. So it sort of makes sense that, yes, she should be pushed off the show because we have the ability to ensure that that happens because she doesn't hold as much value as Jen did. Yeah, I mean, I asked her about this in an interview and she said I asked her about uh my interpretation was that they were taking a lot of sort of gen-related trauma out on her or um, the the gen-related trauma was exaggerating their reaction to her um, to make it seem like a bigger deal than it actually maybe was. And she basically said that she didn't think that at all because she said, they're not scared of me (laughs) in the way that they're scared of Jen. I mean, a lot of them, I think Heather in her interview with you, Kate, did say that she was scared of Monica um, and that the other cast were and that that's part of the reason why they didn't feel safe with her in Bermuda at the end and things like that. But their actions don't suggest that they are in the same way that they were with Jen. Um, So yeah, I do think there's an interesting, I do think there is an interesting question there about how differently those things were applied, but equally, I do think that with Heather, we do have to remember that she was assaulted and that I don't know, like I've not walked in Heather's shoes and lived the life she has and that, people have different histories with these types of things. And I think that the way Heather reacts to things is to bite, like bury her head in the sand about them. And um, I'm not defending that, but um, I can kind of like understand the way she behaved more, if that makes sense. Whereas I think with Monica, her answers make such little sense and they're so erratic. And then when she gets an opportunity to speak, she's going for these like low blows and like quite like lashing out quite a lot that we don't get the chance to like understand where she's coming from as much. So I think that that's, Part of the issue is that even if you don't agree with how someone's behaved, if you kind of can vaguely understand what their what their motivations were, I think that you can, to use their word, give them a lot more grace in that situation than if you don't understand. Well, and I also think like the timelines of what was what Monica is saying and what Heather's saying about Monica's involvement and in, maybe online and offline are so totally different. And what Heather, you know, um, Kate, you asked an excellent question, which was like, what was the thing that you felt wasn't really discussed or maybe was the thing that bothered you the most that didn't necessarily come out at the reunion? Yeah. And, sorry for fucking that up. But like and Heather's reaction was like the fact that like this woman was like stalking us and talking about us while we were filming. It wasn't like reality Von T's ended when she was cast. She was continuing to behave in a certain way. And Heather felt 
And then Heather was like, and this she's pretending to get introduced to us and getting to know our kids. And obviously there's an air of performance for any new housewife joining the show because you know who these people are. You've watched them on TV. But there's a difference between that and like tracking who you're following on social, tracking your movements, tracking what people are saying about you and not revealing that you are the voice saying and doing this, that like Heather genuinely felt like in real time, this woman was obsessed with her and with the rest of the cast. And she didn't know that that was Monica. I mean, I think that's like a pretty big fucking grievance for Heather and the rest of rest of the cast to have. Yeah. And and the thing is, um, and she did this a lot with you, Louie, in the interview, um, uh, and and this goes to your point, Sarah, about Heather blaming at times production for the black eye situation. Um, when a housewife says production made me do this, Brandy Glanville has done a lot of this in her explanation. I'm doing air quotes for the Caroline Manzo situation and Ultimate Girls Trip and also the other Ultimate Girls Trip lawsuit. Um, production made me do this. They're never going to say they didn't, right? Like they don't want to turn on their own cast members. So when Monica tells you, Louie, that production told her to pretend that she'd never been in Meredith's store, um, no one's like Lisa Shannon and Lori Gordon are never going to be like, no, we didn't, you know, um, that's not something that's going to happen. So any housewife can say production made me do this or um, and they're not not going to dispute that because it's too small and they can't go against their own cast. Like they have to be on the side of their own cast members. So um, it's just kind of an easy way of it's an easy uh, scapegoat. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I just, it's such it, it, to me, it rings false every time, um, as an excuse. I think that with that situation, the specific one about the Meredith store, I do think there's probably a, a grain of truth in that one, just because it's not, it's so like, I can imagine when they were doing that scene, like they would never have known that all of this stuff was going to come out and that that was going to then make her look so shady. So like, I can kind of see why that was so inconsequential and low, like such a small detail to them that I can sort of see why, like there wasn't any vibe there that they were structuring some sort of malicious narrative or something like that, that it, it just right. seemed so, so just like small that I can kind of see how that could have happened. But equally, you're right. Like they're not going to come out and say, I mean, they did fact check her about the email. <laughs> Uh, the email, the casting email, but um, you're right. I think the production are a big scapegoat and we, you know, we've been reporting on Housewives for so many years that it happens all the time, doesn't it? Where um, production said this, production said that. But I think the real, the thing that changes Housewives a lot more than production is the Housewives producing themselves and, you know, coordinating scenes themselves. As we know happened, like the Lisa Vanderpump Puppygate scenario where the, the, the text is with um John Blizzard were <laughs> revealed that were basically like Teddy um structuring a scene herself, which is the sort of thing that they would accuse production of doing. But um I think the 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 bigger danger, or not danger, but the bigger thing that influences what we see is probably the housewives doing all of that themselves rather than production. So with that being said, how do you feel about the whole production new? 
versus maybe how do you feel about it? I think that, I don't know what you think, Kate, but I think that there's a lot of conversations that happen on the road to becoming a real housewife with all types of different people. Some are recorded, some are on the phone, some are by email. Like there's like interviews, there's test shoots. I think it's like a whole, it's not just like you show up and get the job. There's like a whole rigorous like uh, sort of vetting process and like all the rest of it. Um, I think that like, it's possible that she could have said, oh, me and some friends, former colleague, former staff of Jen's had this Instagram to, you know, expose, like to trash talk Jen, like something throwaway like that. That's very different to this account, the, the account that we know it was that then did start off as a thing about Jen, but then did then target the cast members for a really long time. So I can I think that there might have been an allusion to Anna Karen to someone maybe at one point, but I certainly don't think it was acknowledged that she was reality von Tease and that the production even really knew what that was. Like in, in your interview, Kate, you talk about um Heather like the behind the scenes in Bermuda with Heather um which I loved by the way, Heather going to was it Laurie? Um and telling yeah. her Laurie basically needed it very explained in very sort of basic like layman's terms to her because she wasn't sure like she'd never heard of this before so I think that like from that I just don't really get the production or certainly anyone senior in production could have known because it just seemed like that's not how they would have reacted like if that had been the case I, d- I don't buy it personally I, I don't think they knew Sarah I I, I really think that um this the Salt Lake City women especially are on the internet in a way that other casts aren't. And they've been so actively discouraged from any story that is takes place in cyberspace, <laughs> you know, like like there have been a lot of these things that have come up apparently over the years that they've been literally reprimanded, like, stop talking about things that happen online. Like, no one cares, like, and we can't illustrate it. And so when Heather got the confirmation that um, Monica was reality Von Tees from whoever it was who called her after Tanisha had told her, um, uh, you know, she literally went to Lori and said, am I going to be allowed to bring this up? Um, at the final dinner um, because because of the fact that they have been told stop bringing things up that happen on Instagram and Twitter and the final dinner was already planned. It was going to be with the dolls um, that they'd made at the butter churning um, and they were going to be yelling at Meredith about the DMs. And so Heather literally wondered whether she would be able to derail this scene that had already been established. Um, And that, to me, was very credible in terms of and Andy's reaction too, like was seemed very genuine to me during the reunion. Um, So and, and also the way Lisa and Heather turned him and looking so hurt, like, say, did Bravo know? Did production know? And he was like, no, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it, it just seems, and, you know, and, and not to go on, but like Lisa and Lori said that if, if Monica had come to them in the middle of the season and said, look, I've grown to feel close to some of these women and they, her whole thing about how I knew it was going to come out 
Like, did she? Because she didn't ever help let production help her tell them. Um, because she could have, that would have been a great story, right? I mean, I ran a burner account. Um, I did all these things. I I now know, having experienced it myself a little bit, how cruel um, people can be online. And I would like to tell them this myself instead of it coming out in some way that I can't control. And that's what they would have wanted, they said. And they would have been able to help her with that and help help her have individual they that you know Monica's much better one-on-one than in a group so uh you know they would have like set up coffees with her to like talk to Heather talk to Lisa Barlow talk to Whitney um and tell them each about this and that's not what happened I love that part of your interview where it was the she basically said that they had a sort of, well, not a plan, but that this was how the finale dinner was supposed to go. And I thought that was really interesting to like hear a housewife talking about that in that type of way. And I also loved that side note that this trip ended, the season ended on a trip. I personally love that type of new ending. I really feel like sometimes the few episodes after the cast trip, between the cast trip and the finale, sometimes feel a bit flat to me. And I'd love to see Bravo becoming more flexible on season endings. If there's, you know, just something really amazing that happens on a trip, like why not end, end it on a trip? But I also thought it was interesting how she said in the in the um, interview with you that that was always the finale. That's a question that I had. Like, was this was this supposed to be the finale for the show? Or did, did they just think, wow, this is the perfect ending? So it seems like from your conversation that it was always supposed to be like that, which then brings me to what an interesting choice they made to end it on the trip that I don't think they've ever done that before. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in there that I thought was just like really fascinating from from that perspective. Thank you. Can I ask two quick questions that have been on my mind since I read and reread both of your pieces? Number one, Louis, during the interview that you had with Monica, she explicitly said that Heather and Jen's relationship was sinister in a way that we haven't quite um scene she was certainly intimating that something was going on uh what's your reaction to that what did and did you have a follow-up question for her about it so i mean so i'm gonna have to be diplomatic with my language here um when she said that i kind of was just like <laughs> like i was kind of like what could be so sinister that you and that you've not alleged anything like that before it just seemed like I don't know. I don't want to sound mean or, or like a worse unprofessional, but I think with interview subjects, you kind of have to think about like, is what I'm going to be hearing with this follow-up going to be A, something I can even print and B, something that's going to be like in the realms of truth. And I sort of felt like that wasn't a carrot that I was going to eat. And I had other questions. I didn't want to be driven off on a tangent. So I decided not to follow it up. Um, I suppose there is obviously the what was she meaning? I don't know. I think it's an interesting way to seem like you want to give someone an apology, but then you're also in, like insinuating some other sinister thing is going on. Like if I'm Heather reading that, I'm not going to be wanting anything. Uh. So it's another kind of example of this, like, I, I think I said in my piece, this kind of like conflict between the two Monicas that um, 
that is always present when you're watching her. Like when she was speaking to me, I was definitely speaking to like the much more endearing, vulnerable Monica for like pretty much the whole conversation. She was, I, I, if they said she's better one-on-one, I certainly had that experience when talking to her. She was like, came across as, you know, the sort of endearing side to her that we have seen on the show. Um, except then there were flashes of the other, the other Monica that came in, particularly when the questions got a little bit more, I I suppose terse um she became a little bit more like the other monica but yeah i didn't i didn't follow it up perhaps i should have done i don't know just to see but i sort of got the feeling that i wasn't gonna get a great response as i don't know if that's a cop out or not but that was how i felt at the time totally understand that and kate during your interview with heather she said something and i read your piece at least one and a half times before I actually like read it during the Patreon. And when I read it during the Patreon, there was one point where I literally stopped reading and I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then I started saying during the recording, I was like, I don't remember reading that. I know I quite literally did, but it took me, I was so shocked by it when I was saying it out loud that I was like, oh my God, you have to ask Kate. Which is Heather's accusation that maybe Monica was behind the SEC Finsta DMs season three, which to me is like such a big accusation, but also one that I think is like extremely possible. But I and I don't know that we're ever going to get any more info on that. Can you tell me a little bit about your thinking and your reaction to that moment? Yeah, I think they all think that 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 didn't come. That wasn't part of the making a scene video that got. Uh, but I certainly asked Lisa and Lori that question, um, especially when we were talking about the Internet focused specifics of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, I said it's implied in the finale, uh, if not stated, that um Monica seems to be it's it it's framed as if um, she's saying, look over here, it's Meredith uh, who's DMing um, this this stuff to uh, to herself and me about um, Angie Kay um, and her like her alleged bankruptcy and whatever else. I don't know the specifics of that, but um, but and that she's in the Greek mafia, which anyway, um, uh, and and Lisa and Lori basically were like, it just seems too coincidental um that these that these fake accounts, like it it we think so too, basically was what they said. Um, but, you know, I want. I want these people's computers taken in. I want a forensic, you know, like FBI, speaking of the FBI uh, investigation into these DMs. But yeah, I mean, th- for sure. And also um, there, I, I don't, there's this m- moment in season two after Jen is arrested when they all, they go to, was it Aspen or Vale? Uh, wherever it was um, that now. they were on the, Veil, um, where they all talk about getting these text messages, uh, from an anonymous account, and I, I think that Heather might think that that was Monica too. I mean, they blamed Jen, um, but you know, 
in retrospect, um, it might have been retconned to be like this was Monica all along to paraphrase, uh, you know, WandaVision. <laughs> it was Agatha all along. Um, but I I I do think that they think of her as kind of behind a lot of these things that have plagued them for years. Um what do you guys think about Monica and her future on the show? Because the door has been kind of like not entirely shut from a production perspective. Like if your um, conversation is to, with them is to be believed, it seems like Andy did announce it more as a pause on Watch What Happens Live, which seems to be the new thing that they're saying. Part of me doesn't know whether they're saying pause so that she behaves herself and that, that she doesn't, uh, you know, go on some sort of rampage against the network. Yeah, that would be a very bravo thing to do um right also part of me wonders whether yes she might not be able to be on the real housewives but there's this extended bravo verse of shows like the traitors and house of villains and uh other shows that she girls trip you know other shows that she could appear on if that cast don't want to film with her and like you know like it or not she does have a lot of very engaged fans um who are you know an interesting cohort but um she does have fans and she has helped create this this season of TV, which has been incredible. And this twist that she was a part of that was an all-time great, great reality TV classic episode. So I can kind of see her being in the in the sphere in some way. And I don't know, like there's a part of me that honestly doesn't think that she's done with the show, like Salt Lake City. I don't know if she's ever going to be a housewife again, but I could see her as this kind of Camille Grammer type character, maybe, you know, someone who burned very bright as a housewife but then maybe comes shows up every so often to like antagonize the cast or like just you know <laughs> at an event every so often to get into a fight with someone i'm not sure like i can kind of see her remaining in the sphere if she manages to befriend somebody like what do you think i mean she got on the show from nothing in the first place like i kind of feel like she's now and she's still in a better position than she was before to get on the show like you know she's now got genuine beef with these women a genuine reason to film some sort of scenes so i think that it could there could be a future what do you guys think kate what do you think um i think it very much depends on her and as you say um they've said pause very deliberately uh never say never that kind of language um i think that she is her own worst enemy as we've seen um um, and if she were going to go, like, what if she went on the Bethany podcast and just burned everything to the ground, then then the pause would be uh, a, a the stop button. But um, it's it. I don't I don't know. And I also think um, I do think that I think that Heather and Lisa have drawn a line in the sand. Um, I don't know what would happen so filming starts on Monday. We're on a Friday now. Filming starts on February 5th for the season five. Um, if midway through the season, they are like, everyone has the sense of this isn't working. This isn't a great season. These are these are practical women. And um, I think that even Heather, who is a fan of the housewives at large uh i wonder whether that's a possibility that she could be convinced but i don't know 
Oh, I mean, I do feel like Bravo has entered into bringing kind of the more marginal, you know, Danielle Staub came back to the Real Housewives of New Jersey, and that was a mistake. Um, And I would kind of say that Monica and Danielle have some things in common. Um, But I I do think, and and as you say, like Traders is right there, you know, so it it does depend on what she does. Um, We'll see. Uh, But I don't think she'll be a full-time cast member anymore, if I had to guess. It is somewhat interesting that, um, you know, Alex Baskin was more definitive in saying Rachel would not be back to Vanderpump Rules than anyone associated with production or the network was about Jen Shaw after she was quite literally sent to jail when they made clear the door was still open and there was an area of gray. My biggest surprise coming out of the reunion was the fact that that door seemed to close for the very first time in Andy's words and in Heather's when they said, you know, this woman has so much damage, uh, let's not talk about her anymore. That was a very pleasant surprise because I think when we talk about the idea of morality with some of this, it's important to keep in mind that that morality doesn't start or end with the network or production. That's sometimes a narrative or belief or honesty like felt and communicated by members of the cast, sometimes strategically, sometimes not. But production, the reason that Monica isn't moving forward with the show to me is not because she did this thing. It's because it no longer is, it's no longer able for the cast to film with her. She is no longer realistic as someone who can participate in this cast dynamic. It's not because she maybe did this bad thing. So I think that's like helpful to keep in mind. I do think it's possible for her to cameo. I think it's possible for if Mary's a friend of again, please God, let her not be full time, that she surprises, quote unquote, the cast by like having a plus one at an event. I think they'll do that because it's a great trailer moment and maybe it lasts three seconds and like Heather and her crew leave. Like, I I think that's entirely possible. But I do think, um, Kate, I agree with you that I don't I don't think that she'll be back full time. I just don't know. But but who knows what happens in the future? Maybe one of these two women who allegedly were are being brought in for the upcoming season. Maybe one of them is like a flop or an asshole or something. And people start to think maybe Monica wasn't that bad. I mean, anything is possible. (laughs) And yes, the pause is the new. uh, It's not you. It's me. It's really, you know, the timing wasn't great right now, but maybe in a couple girlfriends, we'll see if we should date again. You know, I I. The door is certainly ajar. We just don't know what it's going to open up to, but I I don't think it will be a full-time role. Poor Dorinda clinging to that word pause. I agree. I don't think that she'll be full-time, but I do think that there will be like, I don't think it's the last we've seen of her on the show. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, Dorinda, the the inventor of the word pause. But I think that like, I mean, in the the piece I wrote for the cut a while ago about returning housewives, it was all about the sort of uh, return of housewives on girls trip and also returning to their shows. And there is a strong argument, as you said about Danielle style, that like a lot of the time when these housewives return, it shows us the reason why they were fired in the first place. It's like, it's hit and miss whether bringing them back actually works. Um, And you might just end up seeing Monica, repeat the same mistakes again because if there's one thing these housewives are going to do it's do the same mistakes again because that's what they always do so i guess we'll just have to see but i i do think that she'll be yeah like i said camille grammar-ish 
come turning up every so often with a blow dry to you know inflict some drama on the group um but you're right when brandy came back for that story arc on beverly hills with denise it was a total disaster i thought as well so it's it's just such a risky game <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Guys, I'm sorry this is an audio podcast, but I've been giving like true like BFA face at like all of us. So I'm so sorry. Um, I had some decaf. What can I tell you? I'm like fully fired up. Speaking of Brandy, we are wrapping. So let's end with like a, a really, you know, light and easy question. Um, do you think that viewers will see Girls Trip Morocco? And do you think that that answer has changed as a result of Caroline's lawsuit against Bravo, Peacock, uh, and production? Ooh, you go first, Kate. I know, we're all like, Kate, you first! (laughs) I, you know, I pre-write these things. Um, Just, you know, I pre-wrote the Lisa Rinna firing. I, you know, I, I, so I'm, I'm going to, pre-write the Morocco so it can go both ways um, because I feel like, first of all, it's throwing away millions of dollars to kill a season of Ultimate Girls Trip. Um, That is a significant financial penalty um, for NBCU to absorb. on top of whatever they're going to have to pay Caroline <laughs> in her for because of her lawsuit um but i i think that people want to watch it and i also think that um things that 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 Caroline alleged in her lawsuit which seemed you know Caroline we all know i i i would believe what Caroline Manzo tells me. Um, I she's never given any reason not to. I don't think that whatever specifically happened is on camera. Um, the thing in the bathroom. Um, so uh I that wouldn't be something where they wouldn't have to show this one part of it. Um, they would just be showing your your face, Sarah. Your I'm sorry. <laughs> your I'm eyes so are sorry. bulging. Out I of your head. did have a I do have a degree in musical theater performance. When you can't speak, you sing. And when I can't, you know, podcast response, I just give full googly eyes. Okay. Anyway, I think I think it, I think it could go either way. I really do. And um, I would at when the lawsuit was filed. And I was working with our the reporter Gene Mattis, who does our legal stuff on it. Um, I what I sent to him was that this further decreases the chance of us ever seeing this season. But um, I actually don't know, just because of the financial cost of it. And also it would be interesting television, and they do err on the side of that. Um uh, you know, and and Phaedra in the Vanity Fair story a few months ago, her perspective was, I mean, if if people can remember, this is just a Phaedraism, love was winning that night, right? Wasn't that what she said? Um, yeah, it was, a t- it was a horrifying, it was like a gallows humor. I mean, it, right. yes. Phaedra I mean, doesn't air well on the side of having Phaedra's thoughts on the, uh, what does sexual assault mean? You know, I'm not right. going to Phaedra. Or taking it seriously, you know, as she's shown us. No, she doesn't. And 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 reading through the lawsuit, the every single thing that Caroline said that Brandy said, I was like, totally picture that. 
picture that too. <laughs> you know, so I, I, um, uh, you know, I mean, Brandy will never appear on any NBCU property ever again. That's a hundred percent sure. Um, you know, she, she, speaking of a lack of repentance, um, she's doesn't seem to really take any ownership of her behavior. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, and nor has she sought help, um, for herself as far as we know. Um, and I'm sure she would say publicly if she had, uh, but you know, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. And I'm curious what you guys think. Brandy also alleges that what Caroline alleges didn't happen, which uh, at least Vicky has co-signed and uh, Camille, neither of whom were in the room when the alleged assault took place. So a lot of people who were in the cast who were not present with a lot of thoughts and feels about what occurred. Um, I do think it's important to note one, two things, one of which I'm sure I'm going to absolutely fuck up, which is didn't... um, uh, Warner Brothers cancel a bunch of huge fucking projects because it was a great write-off, like bajillion dollar properties that no longer made sense because it worked for their bottom line. I don't think that, I think the un- sort of unfortunate thing about that, I don't think Bravo would suffer any financial consequences if it's a total write-off. Like there have been shows that have been fully shot and like working on the edit that have been thrown into the gutter for less. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how much of a huge financial loss this is. I also God help us for people who I understand that people want to watch the season. God help us for people who want to watch the season specifically because this because of this. And while I really have a very low bar for Bravo's uh, sense of morality, um, I would think, number one, that certainly Caroline's lawsuit um, uh, does not necessarily help them with um, a feeling that many of us have, which is like, how fucking disgusting would it be if they attempt to uh, release this show upon us and in any way monetize or add entertainment value to what is an allegation of sexual assault? Um, I don't there's no way around it for me. I think every single thing that would lead up to that moment, even if the moment in and of itself is only audio or only the cast discussing what happened, since many of these people weren't in the room, I I don't I, I just there's no way around it. You can't just be like Caroline is in this scene. But then she's also saying in her lawsuit and in the court filings that she was completely fucking out of it after whatever happened happened and was like having a panic attack essentially those scenes were filmed the following day as was i think her maybe her leaving at the airport i forget the details but i did read it when it was first released like you would barva would probably argue potentially that that is valid coverage to use and i would say no because it's all connected to this there's no way around it like apologies to Alex McCord, who was going to have a triumphant return and traveled for 26 hours. But like, sweetie, sometimes these, you know, things take flight. But, you know, the landing can be a little rocky. And I I just I, I hope to God that if whatever we don't know what happened, but I just hope to God that this this season is unseen. I hate I'm sorry that that's going to upset people. I just think this is so serious. And we don't know what happened. I just think it's 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 too close to being just incredibly dark um, if any part of it came to light. 
I think that, well, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really know. And the American legal I'm a lawyer because I've seen Grey's Anatomy, which is about doctors. The, the American legal system like baffles me as well. Like you guys are just suing each other all the time. It's what we do best. It's so hard to know what, what's like a serious like sue and what like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really know. This is, this is pretty serious. This is pretty serious. What's Adrian Malouf suing Brandy and what's Caroline? You know, there's like different levels of lawsuit, right? So I'm, yeah. But that also, I don't think that Adrian sued Brandy. I think she said, uh, sent a legal letter saying, we will sue you if you right. I mean, it's like, are you suing me or not? Is the eternal housewives question. We've seen it so many years. But, um, so I think that they probably will air it because I just think that this this ambiguity and this like this vacuum about it is creating just more and more chaos. And it's like getting bigger and bigger and bigger in this kind of void that Bravo can't control. So I sort of think that if there's one thing that Bravo would probably want is to like have some semblance of control over what is seen about all this and then be able to box it in a little bit by the realities of the things that the audience has seen. Um, I'm not saying I think that's the right thing for them to do. I'm just saying I think from their perspective, that is what they will think and that they will think that they can probably get the most control over this situation as it spirals bigger and bigger and bigger by airing a carefully edited version of whatever it was that happened. I agree with you about the sort of ramifications of that that make me very uncomfortable. Um, with this kind of litigating the the truth of it over over testimonies of people who weren't actually there and audio footage and things like that. Equally, we are seeing it all being litigated in the public realm via these statements on social media. Brandy making constant statements about it on her podcast. These lawsuits, like we are seeing a kind of version of of that ha- anyway. So I sort of think that would it be so much worse than that? Because the que- the story is being questioned so publicly by Brandy and that it's also grubby and it like feels very mudslingy what we're seeing right now. So I'm sort of like, would it be awful to have a version that went out with a lot of Caroline's testimony in it as what well? like, you know, a very kind of her-centered piece of television? Would that be right. the best thing ever? I don't know. Like, you're right the sort of ethics of it are very murky, but I do think that it's pro I think that we probably will see it because I think that there's a, a point that they'll get to where they just think let's air it. And also Brandy has consistently called for it to be aired. So she's not trying to stop them from airing it. So I think that Nor if- did Caroline in the yeah. lawsuit. She did Either not say I don't want this to see the light of day. So it's very much a Bravo it seems to be very much a Bravo decision right now that we've not seen it. So which is interesting. But I just think that as more lawsuits and more more accusations fly, they might just decide to air it to try and put some of it to bed. It sort of feels like they can't move on from it while it's not been aired. It's like, it just feels like this could go on forever, if that makes sense. So I feel like to put a kind of a stop point or like a line in the sand to try and move on from it, they might just decide to air it. One thing that is a common um, a common theme of most of this conversation is just the drinking on Real Housewives. Um, and the thing about Heather and the black eye, she literally can't remember what happened. Um, and that's why when people are like, this doesn't add up, I'm like, that's because she was blackout drunk and she does not know what happened. Um, I, I'm, I'm, fairly sure that i mean i don't think she's lying about that like she has no coherent explanation for this because she can't remember and that's a real issue 
Uh, and Brandy, as we've seen many times, and sometimes it's entertaining, lesbian eyebrows will never not make me laugh. Um, but, you know, uh, she is has been almost weaponized uh, as like a loose cannon being sent into scenes to when she's wasted to make drama and and be entertaining and it's gotten less and less entertaining over the years and this is the end for her and it's really too bad you know but um and heather who's a more stable reasonable person like you know i i asked her to her face at BravoCon whether she was indeed peeing at the same time as she was throwing up in Palm Springs. Like, this is like a grown woman asking a grown woman this question, and she doesn't remember, right? Like, like she was like, the way I remember it is I was just throwing up, and that's the way Whitney remembers it, too, who was sitting next to me. And I'm like, this is a low moment for both of us, <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, uh, but, um, you know, it, it's been addressed um, in different ways, but they have gotten much more interventionist uh, uh, in production with really cutting people off. And, um, and you know, and I assume we'll get even more aggressive with these things floating out there, especially with this litigious environment that um, Bravo has is now in. I guess we'll see what happens. I do think when it comes to like sharing some version of it that includes quote unquote like Caroline's perspective, if Caroline isn't participating, I don't even, I don't know, man. It's a shit show. And a lot of that responsibility I do think falls on production. I do think that environment of binge drinking, of knowing exactly what you're going to get with Brandy and encouraging that kind of behavior. I think that when it comes to liability, there is a reason that Brandy isn't herself named in the lawsuit and that it's production and the network and folks who are on the ground. I think that's, you know, I think that's an important aspect of this. So I guess we'll see what happens with Morocco and whatever else. Um, In the meantime, Kate and Louie, this was such a delight. Can I please mandate that we do this again soon? Because both of your perspectives are so interesting. There's truly nothing I love more than a little bit of a panel episode, AG Kiki. And I really have to applaud both of you, uh, both of your interviews and um, both of your pieces are so interesting. And also definitely read the piece that Kate wrote, but watch the making a scene. It's 30 minutes long. It is excellent. And, um, the structure of how I read them in my head, I was like, this makes sense spiritually as I started with Louie's perspective because I thought Monica's voice was really interesting in that interview and then followed it with Heather's. So if I'm encouraging you to do an order, that would be the that would be the kind of menu tasting that um, I would recommend. So in the meantime, Kate and Louie, can you tell the AGs where they can potentially follow you on social or read your work, um, all of that and more? Uh, Kate, can we start with you? Sure. Um, I'm um, Kate Arthur, K-A-T-E-A-U-R-T-H-U-R on everything, Twitter, threads i don't tweet anymore but threads uh and instagram where i'm private um uh but if you want to see pictures of my kids you know <laughs> um uh, uh feel free to try um uh and um yeah i mean i'm i i 
publish, I, you know, write a bunch of stories um, and edit a lot of things at Variety. And that's where I'm at. And Louis Staples. I'm Louis Staples on uh, X slash Twitter and Instagram. I'm so into Instagram right now. So people follow me there. <laughs> Send me some anonymous DMs filled with secret information. Real Housewives. I, I would absolutely love that. So what I'm hearing is you would love a Finsta account to send you some SEC filings. That would be, you should be the vehicle. Okay. I'm waiting for it any second now. So if anyone listening who's maybe, I don't know, spoken to Louis recently for whatever, maybe you should send some stuff his way. He is a reporter. He does love to report. Let's um let's let's get the party started. Speaking of parties, join the Andy Scrolls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod to get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more like that nearly <laughs> three hours long spectacular that went up this week. It includes a reading rainbow where I read and dissect both of Kate and Louie's pieces, as well as a satchel spectacular, your Salt Lake City reunion, future, past, present, all of it discussed with your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns. That is exclusive to the Patreon tiers, OG of the AG and the People's People's Couch. And you can join the Andy's Girls Patreon and get so many exclusive episodes now at patreon.com slash Girls. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Galley. Kate and Louie, thanks so much for coming back. Thanks for having me. And Louie, it's so nice to, um, we've we've been internet friends for years, but it's so nice to see your face. And I edited that Lala interview. What, so let's figure out what we should do for this season of Vanderpump Rules. Um, and Sarah, congratulations on the 500 plus episodes. That's a real accomplishment and you should be very proud and I'm proud to have been the tiniest part of it and as an avid listener. Thank you, Kate. Oh, that was so sweet. And let that, let's definitely do it again. 100%. I would love this. Let's let's do it in, you know, soon. We we have to talk about the Tom's uh, disastrous Nick Vial uh, podcast and, and everything going on on Vanderpump. <laughs> like, oh my God, what were they thinking? We do. I would love to, I truly would love to unpack it, genuinely. Let's do that. We'll get it on the calendar. In the meantime, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.